Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries, where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a sermon by Bishop Kobanga J.O. So I want us to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 6 to 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 6 to 16. Uh, this is from the New King James Version. And uh, I read as follows. It's a, it's a slightly uh, long reading. However, we speak wisdom am, uh, among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of his age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receive, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually designed. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no, by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Loving Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we bless you. We give you praise, we give you glory and honor. Lord, I pray for utterance. Yes. I pray that I will speak your mind, that I will declare your counsel to your people yes. this morning. Hey. I pray in Jesus' name that there will be an understanding derived from the realms of wisdom, that we shall be able to decode the things that you are speaking to us today, that we may appropriate the same in our lives, Jehovah God. I thank you, Father, and I bless you in Jesus' name we've prayed, believing and trusting. Amen, amen and amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the second part of what I started last Sunday. I want to speak on the subject divine wisdom. Uh, I begin by submitting to us that the cardinal extent and the capacity for anyone to be able to hear the voice of God is not in how discernible that voice is. It is not in how audible it is. You must know, beloved, the voice of God is not in the precise sense of sound. It is, it is to serve the purpose of communion. You know, let me tell you this. People tell, you know, people will always say that I've had God speak, but the truth of the matter is, when you look at how they behave, they don't behave like they've had God. Now, it is not that God did not speak. Please don't get me wrong. Most times... We hear God, but sometimes we don't even know whether God is speaking to us. Or rather, we do not know how God is speaking to us or what exactly is in the mind and the heart of God when he speaks to us. 
He speaks, but most times, you know, what we hear is the audibility of his voice. We miss out on the purpose. Hallelujah, church. Understand, beloved. You see, the voice of God does not come to you so that you are able to say that I have distinctly been able to hear the audible sound of God. And that's not enough. You must understand that God's voice comes to mankind to serve the purpose of communion. He speaks to us and we hear his voice, not for anything else. It's because he wants fellowship. God wants intimacy with mankind. God is not looking for people who go about bragging as to how they've had God and yet they have no fruit in their lives. Because it's not so much of how much depth of revelation you have. At the end of the day, if your revelation of God does not bring fruit of character in your life, then you have either not had God or you've not understood what God has said. It is fruit. It is not so much of how much you're able to quote scripture. It is good to quote scripture and I come from a background. You know, I was raised as a Pentecostal. I come from that Pentecostal background whereby we were taught how to recite and memorize scripture and, you know, to quote it loud. But at the end of the day, that does not produce fruit. Because you might just be quoting the letter, but you do not know the spirit of the word of God. Because the Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit bringeth life. So God's voice comes to us so that we may be able to commune with the spirit of the word of God. His voice is very fundamental, beloved. But at the same time, when God speaks to you, the question you should ask yourself is whether you've just heard his voice or whether you've been able to commune with the spirit of the word of God. Because most times we could probably be communing with the letter and we miss out on the spirit. Understand, beloved, the spirit of the word of God is the wisdom of God that pertains to his purpose. Not the letter of the word of God. The spirit of the word. Now, what do I mean by the spirit of the word? I'm talking about the intention of what God says in scripture. And that takes your partnership with the Holy Spirit. That as you read your Bible, you must allow the Spirit of God who authored the revelation of Scripture to be able to tell you what is in God's mind and heart concerning what you're reading. Now, I'm not talking about what you've read insofar as uh, as the history of, of the Jews is concerned. We can be very historical, but the question is this. If that history is not applicable in your life, then you're missing it. You're getting what I'm saying? You see... When Herod called for the teachers of the law and the scribes to inquire about where, when and where the Messiah was going to be born, these guys, they were able to cite the Old Testament writings. They quoted the Old Testament writings very well, but unfortunately for them, they did not have the ability to discern time and season. Now, one of the things about the spirit of revelation, especially with regards to wisdom, is that wisdom, the divine wisdom will enable you to understand the time and season. The sons of Issachar, they had the ability to understand or to interpret time and season. And not only that, they knew what Israel ought to do. So the question is this, do you really understand time and season? To the point whereby you're able to know what is required. Or are you the kind of a person who knows time and season, but you don't know anything that is supposed to be done? You come and say that God has told me that I'm supposed to start up this company. But the question is, when are you supposed to start? Bishop, God told me now. Okay, how? 
And then you know what happens is because you're so desperate and every other person seems to have started off something, you now start helping God like Abraham. You know Abraham tried to help God? When you look at the life of Abraham, you're able to, under, uh, to, to discover something. This guy, there were moments of foolishness he had and there were moments of wisdom. But I thank God for Abraham because he learned from his mistakes. When God calls him out of the land of, of Ur, of the Chaldeans, you see, God tells him to detach himself from family. And this guy decides to have the temerity to carry lot. Because blood is thicker than water. And we all know the story how it ended up. They come to Canaan. And at that time, Canaan is dry. And there were other inhabitants. And here is God telling you that, that, that I'm going to give you this land. You and your descendants. Okay. And in your seed, all the inhabitants of the earth shall be blessed. Yet that time he is old. You get what I'm saying? And then in the process, because of, of the fact that there was famine and they were very hungry, instead of the guy asking God, okay, now you brought me here, so what is up here? The guy decides to help God by going down to Egypt. Hey! And you know, Egypt is a type of the world, a place of compromise, whereby you, 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 you fraternize yourself with the flesh. Now, I'm sure you know the story. I don't need to tell you exactly what happened. But the long shot of it is that he found himself back in Canaan. Hey. Yes, yes. Now, when he comes to the place of promise, he starts having contention with the Lord. Hey. But it is at that point whereby I believe that by revelation he discovered something, that I need to separate myself from this guy. I love Lord so much, but there has got to be a separation. Yeah. There's a place whereby blood does not become thicker than water. The only blood that's supposed to be thicker in your life is the blood of Christ. Yeah. Thank God for our relatives, we love them, but hallelujah, when it comes to purpose, blood is not thicker than water, only the blood of Christ. And the good thing about the blood of Christ is that it brings people from every kindred. You try to fraternize his relatives, my friend, you're not being wise, you're being a fool. Unless if God himself has directed that you incorporate a relative. Because one problem with relatives is that they become very familiar because they know your background. But God brings a stranger who you're, who you're not related with, somebody from a different ethnic group, but because of the blood of Jesus, that blood breaks that wall of hostility between the Jew and the Greek, and you become one person. That is the wisdom of God. You get what I'm saying, church? You must understand, beloved, God does not call you so that he may give you what you want. God calls you because he wants you to understand that he is your need. He is your sufficiency. He is your all in all. Not the things that you want. Because friends, look at it this way. Even if you are given the, the one million that you're seeking for, you'll discover that one million is little. You say, God, I want 20M. You're given 20M and that is when now you have so many other things that appear to be needs. Have you realized that whenever you have money, that is when your appetite for things grows? Even if you're given 100M, ask those who are millionaires, they'll tell you it's not enough. Come on. Yes. Because the appetite to grab land and to do every kind of a thing, it goes up. So that tells you that there are things that money cannot do for you. Only wisdom becomes your need. And with wisdom, you can be able to administer limited resources to be able to get the maximum return. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the spirit of the word of God the Spirit of the Lord is the wisdom of God that pertains to his purpose. 
understand that wisdom, or rather divine wisdom, it basically reveals the aura of the knowledge of the voice of God pertaining to his purpose. The wisdom of God reveals the aura of understanding the voice of God that pertains to his purpose. Now, when I talk about the aura of knowledge, I'm basically speaking about the voice of God that is the distinct atmosphere, okay, or the quality of character that is generated by the person of God. Because, you know, you can hear the voice of God, but if you do not have the knowledge and understanding of exactly who God is, the person of God, you'll miss out. Because until you touch base with the aura, the aura of knowledge, the aura of understanding, that distinct atmosphere that makes you discern the presence of God and that you're able to move by the impetus of the Spirit insofar as purpose is concerned, you will hear the voice but miss out on the knowledge and understanding. You get what I'm saying? Because... This atmosphere that I'm talking about, or this character, it is basically generated by the person of God. And not only is it generated, it also surrounds the person of God. You know, it is not knowledge that, that, that is void of the person of God. It comes forth from the person of God and, uh, by, by, by reason of generation, and then it surrounds the person of God. And God wants to invite us into this atmosphere of wisdom. The atmosphere that gives you knowledge, the atmosphere that gives you understanding of the person of God, of the nature of God, as well as also his purpose. Because that is the sufficiency that we need. And understand, beloved, God's purpose, when he speaks to us, is so that we may fellowship with him. It's so that we may have intimacy with him. Understand, beloved, The voice of God is a transmission mechanism that conveys God. It carries God into the presence of the jurisdiction of man. You get what I'm saying? Because, friends, I discovered from Scripture that God perpetually inhabits his voice. He does not live anywhere. He lives within his voice. Now, God's voice is domiciled in his patterns and his designs within the realms of purpose. Okay? You must understand that the patterns and the designs of God, they are commissioned by his voice. In other words, patterns and designs of God, you may know about patterns and designs of God, but unless the voice of God speaks forth, those patterns and designs that you embrace will not work for you. Because my Bible tells me, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, God must speak. And, when the, and you know, when the Lord speaks, what happens is, The speaking of God's voice releases the breath, the atmosphere of wisdom. So that when you access the atmosphere of wisdom, what what happens is you're able to touch base with these patterns and designs because it is only by the speaking of God's voice that his patterns and designs are commissioned for you to be able to act. And that is why, beloved, understand that the voice of God is the embodiment of divine wisdom which carries the counsel of God. That is something very, very important for us to understand. Wisdom is the carrier, is the bearer of the counsel of God. You see, the voice of God, it is the word of God. It is the the word of the divine wisdom of his counsels. And remember, beloved, the functionality of God is within the ambit of his voice. God does not operate outside his voice, beloved. He operates within his voice, and the workability of the divine power is vested by the spirit of wisdom through his voice. Hallelujah. The divine patterns and the divine designs of God, which harbor his voice, 
understand that they are domiciled within the realms of the ordinations of God. Okay? And that's why, friends, as a man, as a woman, as a human being, you must understand that you are wired with a vibrational frequency that is lower than the vibration of the indwelling place of God because God inhabited eternity. So the level in which you operate in terms of vibrations is much, much lower. Okay? And you see the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 that he has made everything beautiful in his time. Now the part that I want you to capture is this. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to the end. Now, you see, Isaiah 57, verse, I believe, 14. No, verse, is it? Wait. 15, sorry. It should be 15. The high, that says the high and lofty one who inhabiteth eternity. I think I'm so much inclined to King James. Who inhabiteth eternity and whose name is holy. Okay, I will not read the rest of the verse, but that is a bit that I want you to understand. The high and lofty one is Jehovah God. Yes. What does it say? He inhabits eternity. Yes. Okay? He inhabits in a place or in a dimension or in a realm known as forever. He inhabits a place called everlasting. That is where God lives. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. Okay. Eternity, which is the dwelling place of God, wasn't just designed for him to be hosted within. Eternity was supposed to find expression in the jurisdiction of man. That was the whole purpose of God. And then, beloved, you must know one thing. God uses his voice to serve as the only system by which he could be carried tangibly into the realm of one. You see, God's voice is what carries him. He's not carried by anything else. He is carried by his voice. Okay? You get what I'm saying, church? What makes God to move is his voice. Because the voice of God is the breath of God. That breath is the, is the spirit of the word of God. It is the spirit of the word of God which carries the divine wisdom of God. And within wisdom are his patterns and designs. But the challenge is whenever God wants to configure us, to be able to conform to his patterns and designs, we fight. We want things and yet we do not even have the design for the things that we are asking for. So anytime when you're facing a challenge, understand God is at work. If he has spoken to you, he basically wants to displace the very things that will cause you not to be able to carry whatsoever he has configured or whatsoever he wants to configure within your, your very, very person. Understand, beloved, you know, when the voice of God comes to you, if at all it is truly the voice of God, you must understand that the voice of God comes as though God is standing before you face to face. And you don't need a vision. I want to see God. If some of you are to be able to be exposed to the things we see, you'll think it's a demon in it, it is God. You get what I'm saying? It is by the voice of God that you are able to see God because the voice of God reveals patterns and designs. When you touch base with the voice of God, you are able to be carried from the realm of time into the realms of eternity. And that is when visions and dreams and apparitions and trances make sense. 
You see, Moses was able to see God face to face, not because of physical appearance. Moses was in the spirit. Even when he saw the angel of the Lord in the burning bush, understand there was fire on that burning bush, but the bush was not burning. Do you know why? It's because Moses' spiritual eyes were opened. He was able to see beyond the veil of visibility. And what caused him to do so was he heard the voice of God and he touched with wisdom. Because wisdom enables you to be carried from time, whereby you transcend every limitation and you're able to access eternity. When Moses was in the mountain for 40 days, before he came down with the glory of God, what happened was that Moses was able to look into eternity past. He walked through time. He walked, he, wa he walked past the time when Noah lived and went into the Garden of Eden. And what Moses describes was metaphorical. There was no physical garden. The word garden is metaphorical. It was not physical. Because you see, we are men and we understand things in a three-dimensional basis. So what God does, he uses pictures and symbols to help us know exactly what he's talking about. You get what I'm saying, guys? And everything that is written in the Genesis account of creation, it was God's way of, of, of narrating to Moses by the Spirit as to what his intentions were when he created the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. So understand, the voice of God, it is the divine wisdom. What it does is that it transcends man to the realm of communion with him face to face. Listen here, beloved. God is not in the business of, of trying to make you get excited about being a mystic. Being mystical, it has its advantage, but to a greater degree, it also has a lot of disadvantage. Not because to be mystical is an issue here. Many people have become mystical until they've ended up appearing as though they are wizards. God wants us to understand that when he speaks to us, he speaks to us for the purpose so that we are transcended above time. We are transcended above limitations and circumstances because he wants us to access a realm of communion where we commune with him face to face the same way a man communes with his friend. Okay? You see, God's voice heightens your awareness. It makes you to be aware of the fact that he is around and he is dwelling within you so that you are able to pick up the totality of the frequencies of God's wisdom within the vibrations of his heart. Yeah. Yeah. Until you get to the heart of God, you will not be able to understand the vibrations as to what he is saying. And as a result, you might end up being excited that I've had God, I've had God, but the truth is you are a fool. You're this fool who, is, who, who has not even taken time to process everything that God is saying. And that's why many times we get it wrong. That's the reason why people backslide. People are living the faith not because God is a lie. because they are so much in a hurry to do things without even thinking. Hmm? You know, the prophetic is not there so that you may feel goosebumps. The prophetic is there to instruct you, to guide you, to provide correction and rebuke. You know, when God gives you a prophetic word of promise, understand this. The promise is not devoid of the things that are wrong in your life. 
You must know that when God speaks, you know his word is a double-edged sword. It's speaking about the future, and that is wisdom, but at the same time, when you analyze very carefully, there's that, there's that very thing that the spirit of his word would want to address inside of you that tells you that, that in as much as I have these plans for you, the reason why it will never come to pass is because of aspects of your character that are wanting. So first of all, deal with your character, deal with your issues. That is what we see with, with, with Abraham. God speaks to Abraham about the future. He tells him that he's going to have an heir. But Abraham, now Abraham, just like many of us would do, he looks at his servant Eliza and he says that maybe Eliza will be his heir. And God says, no. The one who will come forth will be from your loins. And then, you know, after God speaks, Sarah now comes. Husbands, be very careful of your wives. Sarah tells him, you know, God has said this. Now, there's a certain culture that we have in Mesopotamia that if, you, and if, if your wife is not able to give you an heir, you can always lay with the maid servant. Now, the child who will be born does not belong to the servant or to the slave. That child belongs to the woman. And Abraham saw this is wisdom. So he decides to have carnal knowledge with Hagar. You know what happened? There was a contention. God, you know when God speaks, he does not speak because he has got hot potatoes in his mouth. God is very categorical and let's not try to, to, to invoke God's name where he's not. You're, you're getting what I'm saying, church? When God speaks, understand that he does not have hot potato. It's not that he has taken some hot porridge that you begin to misinterpret what he's saying. No. Even when your circumstances appear to be contrary to what God is saying, you need to still go back to him. Because one of the things about revelation is that it's progressive. Yes. Yes. Abraham and Sarah were incapable of getting a child because they were all past. Sarah was past childbearing, isn't it? Yeah. But the question is, the God who is able to provide and supply, this God, isn't he able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we may ever think or ask according to the power that is at work within us? Yeah. God does not operate on time because he does not live in time. Come on! Jehovah God inhabits eternity. Yes. That's what the Bible says. He lives in a place called everlasting. He declares the end from the beginning. God does not declare the end based on now. His, de his declaration, which is wisdom, is the end from the beginning. And as I told you, wisdom pertains a lot to the future. Yes. And you know the wisdom of God appears to be foolish to men. Men will always regard the wisdom of God foolishness. Yeah, yeah. The preaching of the gospel is foolishness to them that are perishing. But to us who are being saved, the Bible says, it is the power of God unto salvation. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So, remember, beloved... The original design of the plan of creation was that God would interact with the creation through man. And what was the tool of interaction? His voice. God wanted to interact with the creation through his voice. Okay? And that's why, beloved, you know, many people, including probably some of you, you are discouraged and you're frustrated because you do not understand the mysteries within the voice of God and be able to hear his word. You may be hearing a voice, but you do not understand the mysteries. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
Now, the mysteries of his word is the wisdom that God expects us to decode by his spirit. You know, mysteries are not supposed to remain mysteries. Mysteries are supposed to be decoded. But you cannot decode mysteries when you are in the flesh. And the spirit of, of God has been given to every one of us who is a believer. It doesn't matter whether you got saved yesterday. If you are truly in the Lord and you are genuine, my friend, there are mysteries that God can enable you to decode. And you'll know that this is God. And as if that is not enough, you'll also seek confirmation because the Bible says a matter is confirmed by two or three witnesses. But now the problem is this. You hear God and you think everybody has heard what God has told you. That's what he told us last week. Just because God has told you something, don't think that he has spoken to me. And when I appear to disagree with you, friends, it's not that I'm trying to discredit your spirituality. No. Come on, say it. That's wisdom. Sometimes, and, and I want to give you a secret about me. There are times you may speak to me and I can confirm that it is God, but I deliberately decide to say no. Do you know why? It's because I'm testing you. And a lot of people, not just in infamy, <laughs> in my apostolic ministry, many people think that I discredit what they're saying. And I'm just testing your patience. I want to see, okay, fine, you've said God has spoken to you, but are you willing to apply the principle of a matter shall be confirmed by two or three witnesses? God has told me, Papa, that in six months' time, I'm supposed to go to America, I want to apply for a visa, and I tell you, no, sit down. Yet, I've actually heard that it's true. But I want to see. Are you somebody who's, who, is, is there rebellion in this whole thing? Because if there is rebellion, and you want to go to America where there is authority, it might be worse. So I'll slow you down. I'll slow you down. I want to see, okay, fine, God has spoken to you, but are you able to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and be exalted in due season? Then number two, yes, God speaks to you. But when I look at you, I can see that you don't even have capacity to handle this grandiose idea you have. So my friend, allow me to disagree with you and tell you, no, shut up, there is no such a thing there. Now when you start inquiring from me, slowly by slowly, I will tell you why I told you to shut up. I'll tell you why that I have set aside what you said. It's because you lack capacity. That's why I must say thank you so much for those of you who allowed me to correct you, who allowed me to rebuke you, who allowed me to cancel you. You told me of something and I told you no. That's not how it is. And we journeyed together until such a point whereby it was so evident that you are, you, you are now ready. Because you know, friends, let me tell you this. Sometimes, yes, God can speak to you and give you a timeline or something. But if you do not have the capacity that thing will never come to pass. Anytime when God gives you an idea, let's say maybe if it is business. You see, when God speaks to you about business, it doesn't mean that you go and start fraternizing with the people of the world to learn business. You know that's where we get it wrong? You go online and you want to seek. Let me tell you, you're getting information from the wrong source. Not everything is supposed to be Googled. There are things that God can give you direct. I don't know why we, 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 we do not trust God to give us divine ideas and blueprints. Why can't God give you, I mean, can't you trust God for that? And let me tell you something. When God gives you a vision, he'll provide. 
But the problem is we want to help God. You even go to an unbeliever who, who, has, who has no knowledge of what you're saying and does not even care. Or you go to someone who, who apparently, by the inspiration from the devil, he can see that this thing is going to work. So he hijacks your idea and prospers with it. And you begin to feel bad about it. The problem is not that person who's hijacked. The problem is you. Because you opened your mouth left, right, and center telling everybody, you know, I've got this brilliant idea in IT. There are other people who know IT better than you. But there is a knowledge that comes from the wisdom of God concerning IT that even Bill Gates does not know. There's a level of programming that is divine. Let me tell you, you don't learn it in school. Thank God for what you've learned. Let me tell you, what you've learned is very basic. It is at the introductory level. But there is something deep that God can teach you. If people of the world are able to learn certain things from the system of Babylon, how much more you who is a child of God? You know, the body of Christ wants to have dominion in this country, but the problem is we are not walking in dominion given that we, we, we have decided to, to tie ourselves to those of the world. That is why the church must separate itself from the state. Thank God, yes, we prayed in and we trusted God for a God-fearing president, but remember, having a God-fearing president is not enough. The same president who's God-fearing may turn against the church, not because he's the problem. The problem is the church. When we leave the place of the altar and begin to demand certain things from the state, we are getting it wrong. The church must separate itself. Let me speak to my fellow clergy. You know, I'm a nobody. I'm a bishop who's not really known. But I'm known somewhere. I'm known in the realms of the ordinations of God. Listen to me, you clergy that is watching. Separate yourself from the things of the world and begin to transact with the altar. You and I are the clergy. But we must not do business with the state. We must prepare the congregation to go and transact with the state, says the Lord. You know, beloved, a lot of people do not see tangible fruits in their lives because, you know, we have been brought up in a church system where we just confess the word, confess the word, meditate on the word of God. Why? Because David says in Psalms chapter 1, from verse 1, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the, of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he do shall prosper. So you think that that is basically what you're supposed to do, my friend? Let me tell you. You can confess the word, you can read and, and chant it as loud as possible, much more loud than this lapel that I'm wearing that enables me to speak to you. But at the end of the day, you miss nothing. You must go beyond the letter, and it only comes as a result of you being a spirit-filled believer where you allow the Spirit of God to lead you into all truth. Come on now. Yes. Mm. The Pharisees knew scriptures, but these guys are wicked. Yes. The teachers of the law, you think you know, you, you know the Old Testament, which was their Bible at that time? They knew it. They knew it. You belong to Bible studies, but the question is, why is the Bible study not producing fruit? It's because some of us, we just go because it feels convenient. First of all, you go late. Yeah. 
And then the sad bit about, uh, I, I think it doesn't happen nowadays. There's a time, there's a particular BS whereby you find that some people want to share more than others. What makes you think that you know every, more than other people? The Bible says when you come together, the, the, somebody will come with a word of encouragement, another one will come with a prophecy, a hymn, and so on. A Bible study should not be a place whereby one person dominates, starting with the Bible study leader. The Bible study leader is a facilitator. And even when you've learned something, understand that whatsoever you know is in part, it must be subject to the person who is in leadership and to every other person so that there is balance. You're getting me? A BS where there is no worship is no BS. Yeah, there's no BS. A BS where there are no prayers, that is not BS. A BS is not a place where we tell stories. A BS is whereby we come and know that this, the, the, the gathering of two or three people in God's name makes that particular abode become the house of prayer, the house of God, a house of fellowship, a house of communion and relationship with each other where we break the bread of the word of God, where we are able to touch base with the wisdom of God, wisdom for the living. We need to see fruit. If there is no fruit, then ask yourself, what is it that you're interacting with? Hmm? You know, there are many people who quote the scripture, by his stripes I am healed, but there are so many diseases. The problem is not in that scripture. The problem is, the, 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 is, is in the mystery that is locked up in the scripture. Once you decode that mystery of by his stripes I am healed, that mystery is the wisdom. Now, that wisdom, beloved, is the wisdom that will enable you to know how do you actualize, how do you appropriate that scripture. Now, how it will apply in one person may not necessarily be the same on, on another. That is why when you look at how healings happened in the days of Jesus and in the days of the Acts of the Apostles, you'll discover that in different instances, in different circumstances, people are healed differently. There was a time Paul had to request for shoals. Okay, not handkerchiefs. The word handkerchief is wrong in terms of translation. It was shoals. Now, I don't, I don't mean to attack anybody, but having a prayer shawl from Israel doesn't mean that you're carrying healing. Healing is not in a prayer shawl. It is okay. I mean, it's fine. I also have one. But at the end of the day, listen, I don't carry it everywhere. There are people who have got prayer shawls, but they are, but they are suffering. The anointing is not in the prayer shawl. Hello? The anointing is hidden in the wisdom of God, which is the spirit of God's word. That's where the anointing is. People who, are, who walk in the anointing are those who are full of the spirit of God, and they are touching base with the spirit of the word of God. They're able to touch base with the wisdom of God, and that is where the demonstration happens. The preaching of the gospel is not telling stories about what Jesus Christ did, no. The preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ must be in the demonstration of the spirit and power. That is where wisdom is. Because wisdom must be manifested. So that the faith of people is not vested in the wisdom of men. It is vested in the power of God. A power that stirs up people. Holy persuasions causing them to follow Christ. That is what the preaching of the gospel is. You get what I'm saying? The hidden wisdom of God is the way God presents his truth. 
while concealing it from the understanding of mankind and even, even Satan himself. Yeah. Hmm? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's why you find that the message of the cross is always at odds with the way world, the world does things. And you know, beloved, when you look at the wordings of Paul, you discover this, that those who speak the truth of the cross in weakness, those are the true servants of God. He said, he, you know, he tells the Corinthians, when I was with you, I was with, in much weakness, in trembling and in fear. He did not want to preach the gospel with persuasive words. And you know, the problem we have in the church, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ globally, is that we have got a lot of motivational preaching. <laughs> Vain philosophy and charisma. The gospel has nothing to do with motivation. Motivation, it is good. It is not evil to be motivated. But why do you want me to motivate you with charisma and yet what you need cannot come about as a result of charisma? You need the Holy Ghost in you. You need Jesus in you. Because my words will just be vain, vain, vanity. Telling you you're going to be great, blah, 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 and so on. And then after that, you, I mean, you, you, you give tithes and offerings. I get an honoraria or, or, or a stipend, and you remain in the same state. That is not what the gospel is. Hmm? You know, beloved, you know, those who are wiser and clever in speech and use persuasive rhetoric according to the standards of the day, these are not true servants of God. And sorry to say this, some of the preachers you glorify so much in YouTube and so on, I'm really sorry, I don't want to mention their names, but the truth is, most of what you watch on YouTube is rhetoric. Okay, fine, you tell me, but Bishop, I am blessed. If you're blessed, why am I not seeing fruit? No. You even, I mean, some of these guys have come to this country. But the question is, where is fruit? You know, I told myself this some years ago. I'd rather listen to a few ministers of the gospel. Very few. And I can assure you my list is few. <laughs> can you be very surprised that I only listen to three ministers in the world today? Only three. I only listen to three. The rest, it's not that I'm questioning them. Far be it from me to judge a person whom God has called, but listen, listening to more than three ministers for me is unprofitable. For me. I don't know about for you, but for me it's unprofitable. Because at the end of the day, there's what God wants me to learn from him. So what I do when I listen to a minister, I start comparing and seeing, okay, am I just running this course in vain? Because, you know, it is also possible for you to be preaching your own or to be hearing your own things. But a lot of them are motivational speakers. And some of them preach because of money. And, you know, sad to say, a lot of Kenyans are partnering with some of these guys on YouTube and social media. I'm telling you, beloved, you go partnering, you take your money to someone who does not care about you. So into this, so into that. Let me tell you, we don't go sowing in vain. Where is the wisdom in the sowing? Where is it? I'm asking you the question, where is the wisdom? Yes, I believe that we can sow into an anointing and so on, but you don't just sow everywhere. There are times, you know, you, you can walk into a conference, 
the man of God is preaching the unadulterated word of God. But as far as the spirit of God is concerned, there is no giving. I know that is hard coming from me, but I'm telling you, I am one person, even if you don't give me anything, I will stand. Because there was a day when I didn't even know, I mean, I didn't know certain things that I have today. I wasn't aware of them, but I stood. So why should I now change? Why should I change the tone of my voice? You must be able to be contented even when you do not have. You're getting me? Not everything that glitters is gold. Because someone has got a large following, you're also carried away. I mean, the question is, what the hell is wrong with you? We jump from one stream to another. And you know, let me tell you, some of these streams have crocodiles. So you jump into that stream, and the crocodile decides to snap you. But somebody else who jumps into that stream will not be caught by the crocodile. Why? Because that person knows how to navigate within the stream. You, you get what I'm saying for me? And you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm a very interesting person. Whereas other pastors want people to just join their congregation so that, you know, we add numbers. With me, I'm not interested in numbers. Why should I pastor people of which three quarters of them are not going anywhere? I would love to see this place full, but the question is, why should it be full? People bring money and so on, yet I know very well they are not going anywhere. I'm misleading them. What do I tell Jesus Christ on Judgment Day? My friend, some of us, we want to go to heaven. I don't know about you. We are looking forward to revival. Not excitement and motivation. Revival does not come for motivation. You getting me? That is why, you know, as a church, we've reached a stage where we don't persuade people, we don't beg people. If you want to come, come. If you don't want to come, that is your problem. If you're the lazy person who wants always to do live stream at home and you deceive people that you are sick and so on, you know we will know. But you know the difference between you and I is that I will not tell you. I'll act like I'm very ignorant. Because it's for you, I mean, it, it is unto your own destruction. Okay? You know, there is a wisdom that is in God that is concealed from those who are perishing. Hmm? This wisdom consists of the truth that God saves people through the crucified and risen Savior. Yeah. Okay. And understand that the wisdom of God is contrary to the wisdom of the world. Yeah. And you can only know the wisdom of God via divine revelation. Okay. And God's wisdom in the cross says that the way of life passes through death. That if you want to live, you must die. If you want to go up, you must go down. The wisdom of God says the only way to gain is to lose. You getting what I'm saying, infamy? That for me to gain in, the, in, in life, I must lose. But you know many times the voice of the, of the flesh speaks very loud than the voice of God to us. Having struggled and all of a sudden you've gotten this lump sum amount of money, you now say, you know what, I now want to show people. I want to prove a point. My friend, you are showing vanity. Hey! We are not in, you see, we do not live to prove a point. 
we live for the Lord. Whether people take note, whether they don't take note, we are not bothered. And I can tell you, beloved, of a truth, out of humility, how I live my life, I am less concerned about whether someone acknowledges me or not. You want to acknowledge my dressing? You want, I mean, for me, that's not important. I'm concerned about Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the wisdom of God. That is my concern. Why should I impress you today and then tomorrow when I don't impress you, you condemn me? That's why if you live to impress people, you're wasting your time. Have you realized, friends, if I may digress a bit, that um, most of what we do, we don't do for ourselves. We do for people. Think about it. The reason why you dress the way you do is because you want to impress somebody. Whether married or not married. Because even married people have discovered that apart from impressing their own spouses, they're also impressing other people. The, that car that you own, did you really buy it because you are full of God in you? Or were you buying it because you wanted to prove a point? Were you trying to make a statement? The car is good. The cars are not evil. But the question is, you bought it for what? Are you forgetting that there are better cars than the one you own? And there will always be better ones. The phone you have, whether Samsung, iPhone, or whichever kind of phone. Do you know that there are people who have got better phones than you? Yes. That they got those phones not because of prayer and fasting? So you, after you've prayed and fasted, it's like that phone that you have, it's like you want everybody to know, my friend, that is vanity. That is not wisdom. The things you own must serve the purpose of God in your life. And that is why you must never compare yourself with every other person. What may work for you may not work for me. Okay? That's why the only way to gain is lose. If you do not lose today, you will lose in eternity. If you are ashamed to proclaim Jesus Christ today before men, he'll be ashamed of you before his father and his angels. Have you read that in scripture? Yeah. So the question is, are you able to stand for the testimony of Christ in your life? Even at the peril of losing your marriage, losing your family, losing everybody, are you prepared or do you fear? And you know, you'll always know how people are, especially when there's a crisis or whenever there's, there's a context. Look at how people behave whenever there's death in the family. Look at how people behave whenever, whenever there's a wedding. Okay? And so on. That's when you'll know whether people are saved or not. Are you getting what I'm saying in family? There's a friend of mine, some years ago, he was engaged and he was planning this grandiose wedding. Few months to his wedding, the Lord appeared to him in the night and he told him that he wants a simple wedding. He had engaged service providers. He's a Luo friend of mine, and you know how what, you know Luo's make a statement, huh? Let me tell you, don't try to compete with the Luo. You'll you'll, it will never work. It will never, because those guys, to be a Luo is a lifestyle. That's what they say. 
It is a high calling and responsibility. That's what they normally say. I've lived, I mean, I've, I grew up in Kisumu, so I know these things. But listen, he was told to set aside everything because God told him that in as much as he is doing whatever he's doing, he is not in it. That thing was heartbreaking. And you know, he was so worried because how does he explain this to his Kikuyu wife? And the wife is very meticulous. Okay? Fortunately enough for him, God had also spoken to his wife to be. They had to set aside each and every plan that they had intended. And they did a simple wedding. I attended that ceremony. Very simple. Can you imagine no flowers, no decoration? In a very basic hall in Kisumu. You know those public, you know those public halls in the estate? Yes. He was told to go to a public hall in Kisumu. And he was told not to send invites to everybody. Some of the people he could not invite were his closest friends, people who he grew up with. God was very particular. God told him that his wedding will only have 50 people. You know, when every other person was, 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 was wondering, me, I just told him, my friend, if it's God, just obey. He did it according to what God wanted. And guess what? The glory of God came down in that wedding. Can you imagine what was a wedding ceremony? The minister himself, who was the officiant, was in the Holy Ghost. It's like he had to stop at some moment. People started worshiping God. Gifts of the Holy Spirit started operating within that congregation. There was someone who was sick in that wedding. That woman was healed instantly. Can you imagine a little boy of about eight, nine years was seeing angels and was telling people what the angel was speaking? They are married until today. They have, one, they have a wonderful family. And God called that man into full-time ministry. Some of those who mocked him, they realized that they had made a mistake. So if you are a single, thank God if at all, you, whether you are in a relationship or not, thank God. But the thing is this, at the end of it all, if you want to get married, is God in your plan? Is he really in your plan? You see, the Bible says, trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. That is wisdom. Lean not on your own understanding. I'm looking forward to seeing someone who will plan a wedding which is divine. Now listen, it is also possible for you to have a grand wedding, but according to the patterns and designs of God. And that should help us understand why some of the married couples after you spend so much money, the first one year, the first two years or three years, you struggle financially. You fight and so on. Why? Because of unmet expectations. Now, unfortunately, if you are married, you cannot do another wedding. <laughs> For the singles, it's upon you. Okay? Wisdom demands that we prepare to lose. Okay? 
We can only have eternal life when we allow ourselves to pass through death. Hmm? You know, the wisdom of God, as we read in Scripture, it is a divine secret that is hidden in the heart of God until the appointed time of revelation. Okay? And the truth of God can only be revealed at a disclosed time. What that means is this, beloved. Sometimes we may hear God speak to us, but it doesn't mean that you have to declare what he has said immediately. When you declare what God has spoken to you before, before, before the appointed time, that is not wisdom, that is foolishness. And that very thing that you reveal, it will not be truth. Truth is only applicable to time and season. You know, the truth of God is the highest level of reality, or rather highest form of reality. So when I'm speaking reality, that reality should be applicable within a framework of time and season. But if I speak forth that which, is, that which I believe I've heard from God, outside the right time, I will miss out. That's why you see Jesus never did anything outside the timing of God. He always considered time and season. Why? Because he had an unbroken relationship, fellowship, and communion with the Father. That is why every morning the guy went to the mountain to pray. Sometimes in the evening he would go to the mountain and pray the whole night. That is how you are able to become relevant. You don't hear something, you've not even prayed over it. You're in a hurry. Hmm? That is why, you know, seasoned prophets, whenever they get certain things from God, they don't speak it immediately. They can keep it for some time, for months, weeks, even years. Hmm? There are people in this church some years ago, God spoke to me about who they will get married. And I never went around, you know, telling them, hey, God, I said you'll marry so-and-so. Because I would look at that person and I said, this one is not ready. Let me keep quiet. I would keep quiet over something. And then the funny thing is that God will now bring the confirmation to somebody else. Somebody else. After about a year. Hmm? Others would come and tell me, God has told me A, B, C, D. I'm supposed to be with this person. And I tell that person, okay, hold your peace. Just sit down. Don't even make any move. Then I'll watch the person, how that person handles himself or herself, whether there's going to be any friendship. Because you see, Philip Robert, I told you last week, God is organic. Yes. Yes. Nothing happens in a vacuum. You don't bring your strangeness from nowhere and you impose yourself on somebody and expect that person to say no, yes. The person is not obligated to say yes. You, you remember what I told you guys, you, you, you single daughters? And of course, you know, there are daughters who even tell men. You know, I'm conservative. A lady asking a man out, hmm. very funny. It's wrong order. Even as a lady, when you know very well that this is the right person, why don't you check this person? Does he or she have, or rather, does he have the character of God to handle you? Because you are also difficult. Yeah, God has sent somebody to you, but do you know you're very difficult? Go to God and let the Lord confirm. And after God has confirmed, tell yourself, okay, now, Lord, what do I do as a wife to be? Because I know I have issues. 
I do not want to hurt this person. That's why sometimes, you know, God allows marriages to break. Don't ever say that the devil is at work in breaking a marriage. Sometimes it is we ourselves who break our own marriages. Hmm. It's true. God tells you something and it fails and you say, God lied to me. Bishop, you lied to me. No, it is not Bishop, it's not God. You are the liar. Because you did not work on yourself internally. You have a bad attitude and that's why your business can, no, no customer is attracted to buy your products. Unamadharau. Hmm? You easily get offended. Let me tell you, when you're doing business, you know you must have a heart of, of a, 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 a contrite heart. Hello? I'm a very difficult customer. <laughs> Just you know. Not because I like being difficult. It's because I do not want to be taken advantage of. I know what, how it feels when some, a vendor takes advantage of you. Do you know how it feels when you, when you begin to think that you've been conned? So I'll ask very hard questions and behave like I will not buy. Go away, you, you know, and, I'm just, and it's like God is just testing you. Then you'll see me after one week asking you whether you still have that thing, and you'll think that this guy does not want to buy, and before long I've bought it. The few places where I go to buy things, they, they, they have tended to be a bit confused as to how I operate. It's because sometimes I just need to be sure. Okay? So if you're a business person and you're dealing with some of us, you have to be patient. Because what if that is, what God, that is the only thing that God is looking for, for you to make a breakthrough? One difficult customer is enough for you to open doors for you. Yani doors that even those who are your, you know those small-time personas who, who buy small things, that the profit is a few shillings, cannot open those doors. And it only takes spiritual wisdom. Mm -hmm. Beloved, you know spiritual insights into God's ways of thinking, they are revealed by God. And this revelation is beyond human intellect and reason. Because divine knowledge can only be understood through the help of the Holy Spirit. And the thing you need to understand about God is that his thoughts and plans, they are revealed to believers, but they are hidden from non-believers. That's why, friends, the things that God has told you about yourself, about your destiny, don't just go sharing them left, right, and center. I am not saying you should, you should despise non-believers, but you know, sometimes non-believers can actually hijack what God has given you. Hmm? Yes, they can. They can. Some things you keep quiet and you pray over them for some time. Come and share with pastors. Maybe God would, has given us the grace to help you decode what you are getting. But you look down upon your pastor, you go mess up, unachomeka uko. now you come to me, now what am I supposed to do? I'll just tell you, be of good cheer. Jesus has conquered. Hmm? You know, the gospel of Christ is basically referred to as the secret wisdom of God, even as we read. It was a mystery which God predetermined before the ages for our glorification. In other words, to lift us into the glory of his presence. That is how the Message Bible puts it. Okay? Beloved, not everybody understands the mysterious ways of God. That's why Paul says, no eye has seen. 
nor ear heard, neither has the human mind conceived. Okay? And these mysteries, as we read in Scripture, they are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, not so that we may get excited in the flesh, no. They are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit in order for you and I to be able to understand the ways of God. And the revelator of the mysteries of God is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. You get what I'm saying, beloved? Yes. You know, Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples. I'll not read the scripture, but it is in Matthew 13, 10 to 11. You'll read it maybe later on. He tells them something very... Humanly speaking, it's very ludicrous. He tells them, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He goes further to say, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And you know, at that point, many people left Jesus. Because the lingo of Jesus was coded. They thought that this guy is trying to induct us into becoming cannibals. Hmm? These guys did not understand the wisdom hidden in this specific teaching. Okay? And you know, friends, it is very frustrating to know the letters of the word without understanding their meaning. You read the Bible, but you have got no understanding of what the Bible says. You know? And that's why we've got very many heretical things going on. And that's why, you know, many of God's people are disappointed. Can you imagine... You know very well that when you go to the bakery, you'll be able to get bread, isn't it? But you do not have the means to purchase that bread. That is, that is the sorry state of a lot of believers. And you know, God has prepared great things for his people, but they cannot still access them, despite the fact that God has given it to you freely. You can't access. Hmm? Hmm? You know, the problem is not getting food. The problem is the means to getting the food. Hmm? You know, food is, 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 is in great supply, but unless you do what you're required to do, you have no food. And you know, it is possible for God to supply to you all your needs according to his riches in glory. But because you do not have the means to access those needs, you still remain needy. Why? Because of one thing that is missing in your life, Wisdom. You are more concerned about the thing you're seeking for rather than allowing wisdom to be your need. You want to be saved. You want to enjoy the things of God, but you, but you do not want Jesus. You want to enjoy that which is of the kingdom, but you do not want to be a believer. You know, for those who are watching me, and are not born again. There are some things that we can talk about, and no matter how nice they are, they may, be, they may be the kind of niceties you want. You may feel like you want to prophesy like some of us, but listen, prophecy is only for those who are in Christ. Genuinely in Christ. Not having one leg in the kingdom and another in the world. You cannot be torn between two, 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 two opinions. And that is why, beloved, God has given us, he, he has provided for us his grace. We must access his grace or else we will end up living our entire life unsatisfied and unfulfilled. Okay? You know, when you look at Psalms 82 from verse 5 to 6, where the psalmist says, they know nothing, they understand nothing. 
You are all sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere mortals because of a lack of understanding of God's ways. You know, friends, there are very many mysteries in Scripture that need to be decoded. They need to be unfolded so that God's people are empowered. But remember, beloved, God in his wisdom ordained to come to earth in a way that people would not recognize him. You know, the Jews were looking forward for the Messiah. But one thing they didn't know is that the Messiah was not going to come as per the expectation. They thought that the Messiah was going to be born from royalty. The Messiah does not come from a royal family. The Messiah comes from heaven. Hello? He came in a way whereby people could not recognize him. He came to his own and his own did not know him. That is a mystery of the gospel. Hmm? In other words, wisdom was hidden in the body of this little child called Jesus in some manger somewhere. Okay? And you know, so profound was that Mary held this little child and one thing that she realized, in as much as she was holding this child, she was holding the very, very source of her own life. You know, friends, let me tell you this. Never take people for granted. Never take what God has given you for granted. You might probably be touching base with, the, with your own source. God has used whoever that is within your prophetic season to be the very, very connection through which you're able to get sources from God. When we tell you to say hi to the person next to you, that could be the source that you need in that season. Your source may not come from family. It may not even come from your office. It might come probably from that subordinate guy that you normally see on the streets. I'm not saying that you go trusting every subordinate on the street. But as in, when you're in the spirit, you should be able to perceive. Hmm? Parents must be very careful about their children. Your son or your daughter may just be that very, very source. Or rather, may be carrying the source of wisdom that you need. Your son and daughter may not be Jesus. But Jesus, who gave you that son or gave you that daughter, may have infused wisdom. And until you come to the place where you're able to decode that wisdom, you'll miss it. You're getting me? I'm a father of sons. I'm a father of daughters, spiritually speaking. But there's a time I know when a spiritual son is speaking as a man and when a spiritual daughter is speaking as the mouthpiece of God. At that time, I don't joke. You getting me? Whenever someone is in the spirit, I know this person is in the spirit, and this is not about the age, this is about God speaking to me, because I do not want to miss out on God. I've been able to receive counsel from people who are even younger than me in the faith, even people who are not as experienced than I am in the ministry. Why? Because at that very particular point in time, God has converted this person into, into his divine mouthpiece. That's why you should never take anyone for granted. You could probably be toying around with your very own source of life. You know, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, nobody knew him. It was not announced. Can you imagine of all the people, some non-believers who are called wise men from the East? Okay? These guys, 
They had genuine wisdom and understanding, despite the fact that they were not part of the commonwealth of Israel. They knew what was happening based on their study of stars. Okay? They looked at a particular star, which apparently was much more brighter than others. And as they studied stars, they were able to understand the message that was inscribed in that star. Because that star was the star of Jesus. Yet there were people who knew the Old Testament writings, but they had no ability to know what was going on. But now, there's one problem with these wise men. When they come to Jerusalem, they decided to follow the required protocol. And the required protocol is that when you go to any foreign nation, you go and see the king. That was basically the protocol of those days. When you go to any land, for you to be able to, to, to be accepted, you must go and seek the consent of the king because it might be reported that you are a spy and you might end up being apprehended. That was the protocol. But understand, beloved, Herod was not able to decode the insight that they had. Okay? Much as he was the highest authority in, in, in the land. What these guys were supposed to do, they were supposed to follow the star, not protocol. The moment they appeared to go to the palace of Herod, the star disappeared. But had they followed the star, that star carried a wisdom that would lead them to where this new king of the Jews was. was. Okay? And, that, and, 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 and this is to tell you this, beloved. There are people in our lives and maybe some of you probably even out there. There are people who have come so far with God and yet they have taken their eyes off the star. Or rather, they have taken their focus from what God is showing them and they have decided to follow the earthly protocol. God has given you a heavenly vision. But you're not faithful to the heavenly vision. Instead of you following the heavenly vision, you're following people. You're following protocol. You see, the Bible says we are in the world but we are not of the world. Yes, there is what we need to do as men, but understand, things which are divine, consecrated things belong to them who are consecrated. You cannot share that which is consecrated with them who are not consecrated. They'll not understand. They'll tell you to be wise in your own understanding. Hello? And you know, this, and, 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 and the sad bit about this, and maybe this could even help some of you whom God spoke things. Whenever you try to follow the protocols of the world, that in and of itself will kill the revelation you've received from God. Mm -hmm. Now you know, these wise men, they left the presence of Herod upon realizing that they had all the keys. Because Herod called the wise men, and the wise men, they cited the Old Testament pretty well, but they did not have the wisdom. Because it is only wisdom that enables you to understand the timing, the season, and the placement. You quote the Bible, but you do not know that you are quoting about something that is about to be fulfilled in your life. From Sunday school, you've been quoting, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. My friend, Jesus was given a long time ago. Let me even put it this way. Jesus was not given to the world the time when he came on earth. He was given, he was given to the world even before the foundation of the earth were laid. He only came in fulfillment. 
Here you are, you're waiting for things to be fulfilled, and yet God has already fulfilled. Hello? Hello. One thing about the hidden wisdom of God in the story of Jesus is this. God hid this wisdom from the likes of Herod, from the scribes and the Sadducees, the, the teachers of the law. That wisdom was hidden in the stars. Because if Herod would have known, if he would have gotten the interpretation of, 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 of the wisdom of the stars, he would have killed Jesus. So what happens is, these wise men, immediately they left the presence of Herod, the star appeared. And it came to the point whereby it stood still at the place where Jesus Christ was born. There are things about divine revelation and insight that whenever you're in the wrong context, that revelation will not appear to work. Let me even go further and say, it will disappear. Some of the things God spoke to you guys in 2010, 2011, 2012, I say this with all humility, most of you have forgotten. Because you've been going to places, you've been hanging around people, and God in his wisdom has ordained that the things that he spoke to you, he has made you forget. Until that time when you detach yourself, when you detach yourself from that wrong environment, that is when God will bring to remembrance everything. Because one thing I know about God is that he's a God of remembrance. He will bring to remembrance everything that he spoke to you. But you know, at that time when he spoke to you, you were very, very casual. You felt, you know what, you need to go to Canada. Canada is happening. Then you went and shared with somebody who, someone who does not even know what you're saying. You shared and that revelation, it disappeared. There was no wisdom. Years later on, you're still here. Canada, Canada, Canada. You don't even know why you're going to Canada. Okay, fine, you may go to Canada, but end up suffering. You'll even say it's better, at least in Kenya here, I'm able to eat waruz. In Canada, those waruz will not be forthcoming. You see, beloved, the key towards God is not in the horizon. Okay? The key to God is wisdom. Okay? And then, you know, one thing you look up, when you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus had the opportunity to grow like a human being when he was born. He acquired knowledge and he acquainted himself with his surroundings. But at the same time, he understood that his origin was not from his surroundings. That's why when Mary and Joseph were busy going about the place looking for where this son of theirs was, he was, he was, he was a preteen. This guy was, was in the temple, reasoning with these people who claim to have understood the law. Guys who have, who, have, who have gone to rabbinical schools. And Jesus was telling them something which was a hidden, a, a higher wisdom, much more loftier than what they could be able to fathom. Then Mary and Joseph come and it's like they want to scold him and he tells them, listen, you know I'm in my father's house. Thank God for you. I respect you, mom and dad, but I'm in my father's house. I'm doing my father's business. This is the reason why I came. The question is, do you even know why you exist? Do you really know why you exist? Because if the reason as to why you exist is to please men, then you've missed it. The Bible says for me to live is Christ to die is gain. That the reason why you are in church is Christ. 
The reason why you work is Christ. The reason why you are in, you're going about the things you do is for Christ alone. If he's not there, then my friend is, you are the most foolish person. And it's only a matter of time before you see failure. You get, you get what I'm saying? Huh? Spiritual growth is not just about prayer. It's also action. After you've prayed, we need to see you acting. Okay? Now, if you're acting without prayer, you're a fool. Prayer is what enables you to know what is the mind of God and how am I going to go about acting. Okay? Many people were following Jesus, but they lacked understanding. Just like there are so many believers who are following Jesus, but they have no understanding. The reason why they, they do not have the understanding is because they are not operating in wisdom. You are hearing the voice of God, but you cannot be able to capture the spirit of the word of God. Hello? You know, whenever God speaks, you must know, beloved, God does not want you to, does not want you to just hear his voice. Because sometimes the voice of God might just be a sound. And that is why most times whenever you speak to certain people who are full of religiosity, they always feel condemned. That is why even for a message such as this, whenever we even give example, you'll find somebody criticizing the preacher and saying, why are you giving examples of people? Like there's one person who had the temerity to criticize one of the pastors via text message saying that he's talking about people who've left. We will talk about them. Oh my, we will talk about them. In this pulpit, we will talk about them. How many are leaving? <laughs> do you know why we do that? It's because we do not want you to make the mistakes that they made. We may not even mention names, but beloved, some of these guys had an opportunity to relate with me very closely. I cautioned some of them against taking certain decisions, they insisted. And because, you know, for a person who has 32 teeth, that is if, <laughs> do you force them? No. You let somebody walk into his own pit of frustration. I'm in touch with a few of them. But now you see, there's only so much I can do. Like I told one, this is a daughter, I just told her there are things I cannot do for you. I've prayed, I've fasted, and this matter, God wants you to do A, B, C, D, and to her it's very hard. And I told her, yes, it is hard because you led yourself into this mess. Clean it. I told her, I really wish I could help you, but what can I do? You messed, take responsibility. The way out is for you to take responsibility. That is wisdom. Don't be this kind of a person when you mess up, you fall into sin, and you want the church to take responsibility. The church cannot take responsibility over your mess. The church can only pray for you and love you. Hello, church. The gospel is not preached so that people may feel condemned. Whenever you feel you're condemned, then it means there's an issue that you've never dealt with. Something that even is unrelated to the church. Are you getting what I'm saying? Never run away from taking personal responsibility. If you are called out infamy, for heaven's sake, it is not judging you. I know I'll say this during the AGM. It is not to judge you. It is love. How do you feel 
if let's say you, you get to discover that Bishop knew all along you were wrong, but left you to your mess, how does it feel? Don't you think it is better for me to tell you that, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Why don't you take this path? So that when you mess, you know very well I was told. Isn't it? And it's not just bishop. Anyone, in, even if it's a head of a department, when you're told about your mistake, don't try to justify yourself. Do you know if there's something I hate, beloved? I hate it when people justify themselves. Okay? There's one member of this community, and with her consent, I believe I have her consent anyway. <laughs> I, will, I will use, and I'm using this as an example. Mrs. Ocheng, Koi. I've known Koi since 2011 when she joined this community. And I can tell you, and she's here, she can bear witness. Koi and I have never quarreled, even once, have we? Not even once. She's never disrespected me. Do you know why, friends? If there's something that I love about Koi, and I would want, especially those of you who like to justify yourselves, this is a lesson to you. I hope it's also a lesson for her husband. <laughs> Koi will never wait to be called out. For the years that I've known Koi, whenever Koi has done a mistake, even when I don't know, she'll report herself. For the years I've known her, she will report herself and say, I've, done, I've, I've, I've made a mistake here. And you know when somebody has reported herself, is there really anything? Do you even have the strength to rebuke? I'll tell her, okay, you've already sorted it out. It is well. And the times whenever I've mentioned her in love, things that I feel she has gotten it wrong, she comes broken. The only thing I've cautioned her, and I keep cautioning her, and I'll continue to caution her, is that she should not be too hard on herself. Because Koi can also be very hard on herself. I believe the husband knows. But the thing that I will tell you, and that's why I'm telling you, Koi will go very far in God than some of you because the difference between her and you is not in terms of how much knowledgeable she is in, in Scripture. She has got that heart of David. Do you know why David is, 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 is much more preferred than Saul? David knew how to repent. That's why God says he's a man after my own heart. Bishop, I'm sorry, but I also want to give you this context. It is not me, it's that. No, Bishop, I'm being misunderstood. You know this thing of saying I'm being misunderstood, it makes me sick. You know, I don't know how, how we are, you, you know, I even wonder, is it me raising people badly? How we grew up is that you never went before any delegated authority to justify yourself, especially with my own dad. My dad, Isaac, was not that kind of person you start explaining. Coffee, utakula coffee. Pap! You'll hear, you'll hear some sound, you know, on your ears. Nalama itabaki hapa. My father was the type of person who believed in one thing. The moment you start explaining yourself, you're about to tell a lie. And by the way, he was always not very far from the truth. You know, parents know their children. When you say, I'm sorry, I take responsibility. That is healing. It is medicine. We move on to others. Sometimes you don't even need to be confronted. Just report yourself. 
I've done a mistake and this is what I'm doing to make it right. And you know, once you've done that, it is, you know, we don't even have to refer to it. You can ask Koi, I don't remind about her past mistakes. Some of them I even don't even remember. I know, yes, I know very well she would come to me, but the truth is if you ask me the very first time Koi came and reported herself to me, I don't even remember because I don't keep an account. But you see, when you keep on explaining yourself, you make me remember. <laughs> oh my God, I will remember. Yes, I am being misunderstood. How can everybody, how, how can everybody in, a, in, in a church setting be wrong except you? Is that possible, Deno? Everybody here is wrong except you, Deno. And it's like over a period of time, we are always wrong. We are judging you, we are misunderstanding you. So because of that, you decide to go to do things in a clandestine manner. And, that, and one thing I think about God is that he exposes. Wisdom demands that whenever God confronts you, and you know God can use anything, any situation, or even people. Be like David. When David was confronted by Prophet Nathan, he acknowledged, he decided not to consider his reputation and status. And like Saul, when Saul was confronted by Samuel, over what he did, you know, he told Samuel, you know what, I'm a man of reputation, eh? you know, I'm a king, please. You know, I had to do this because I was afraid of the people. You are afraid that people will question your reputation. Which reputation? It's a reputation of vanity. What you're trying to protect is fading away. Do you know these things called title and position and honor and image? Image fades. Let me tell you, image fades. The same way we age physically. One season you're a flower, the next thing you've withered. Of course, I'm 51 years, but actually, by the way, my birthday is how many weeks? I think it's about two weeks' time. Yeah, I'll be turning 52 this month, but listen, by the grace of God and to his glory, I don't look like I am. So I really don't know what happened to me, but you know, these are just genes of, of, of the Temesi family. But some of my age mates have aged. But guess what? A time will come whereby eventually I will age. I can't protect this body. This is clay. No matter what I do to it, it is clay. I can adorn it, do every kind of a thing, texturize my hair the way I want, hallelujah. But at the end of the day, Friends, this is clay. I'm a piece of clay. God is the potter. That is how to, you know, you know that is wisdom. When you understand you're a piece of clay, you have nothing to brag about. That everything that, that you have, it is given to you by God. It's not a big deal. You thank God when you have, you thank God when you don't have. It's not an issue. Let me tell you something about me. There are things God has spoken a lot about my life and about this ministry. But I realized in the process, and I even told God, if I do not have the capacity to handle what you want me to handle, I'd rather not have it. Let me grow in capacity. Let me not mess up with what you want me to handle. Yeah. 
Hmm? What does it profit me to gain the whole world and lose my soul? There are things I told God, okay, fine, you've told me, but here's the thing. If you know I'm not ready, let it stay. Let me first of all grow. There are things that God has spoken, very grandiose things about infamy. But you know what, friends? Some of those things have been held back because God is waiting for the community to grow. That's why some people have had to leave. Do you know why? It's because, friends, until some people leave, infamy will not become. Now, here's, here's, here's a disclaimer or a caveat. Some of those who've left, it's not that they are of the devil. No. They belong elsewhere. God wants them to go to the place of their destiny. Some of them. For others, it's not in my place to talk about. That's why you are the remnant that God wants to hold forth. Because the real congregation is coming. You guys are supposed to be the generals, some of whom will head branches of this ministry. Come on! That's true. So you better walk in the spirit. Yes! <coughs> the reason why we do not have promorphic, it's not because I missed out in hearing God. I heard God very well. But you know, when I looked at the congregation, I could tell these guys are not ready for promorphic. Promorphic was supposed to have started in 20, 2021. I told the promorphic board, I told them, guys, as much as I love you, I cannot allow this to happen because I do not want to give you something that you will not be able to handle. I'd rather hold on until such a time when you're ready. And the good thing is that I'm not the only person who had that. Mrs. Kamau, the woman who lives in realms. <laughs> she got that. Oh, she's there behind, yes. See, I told you guys, Dan and Mary share a house. But but Rev Dan knows that his wife is sometimes elsewhere in the realms of God. It's good to have such a wife eh? and such a husband. Yeah, even you husbands, you also need to do that one. Don't leave it to the wives. Okay? You get what I'm saying? She also, she, you know, she came to my house one time and she shared this with me and I said, oh God, she's just, it's like she's picked everything from my heart, word by word. Okay? Promophic will come. Hmm? Cardinal, promorphic will come. But I'm waiting you to be ready. Ukianda kuyumba yumba hivi, you know, also become very worried. You know? It is going to come. Because the mother church of promorphic is supposed to give birth to other branches. That's the thing. Because the, you, you see, you see the, the, because the wisdom of God is that infamy is not supposed to operate as a local congregation. Infamy is supposed to be like the church in Antioch. A training center whereby people are sent out. And you know, you might ask Bishop, but Bishop, me now with my struggles, how will it happen? You see, that is where you get it wrong. You are focusing more on your struggles rather than the prophetic word of counsel that God has given to you. If I told some of you what God has called you to be, you'll say, Bishop, stop mocking me. Utasema, Bishop, you ni utani. Wachana tu. It's your jokes. Sitaki tena Bishop uniruke vilo lisema last week. Muna kumbuka vile nilisema? As much as ntakuambia uzae, ukiaza kuzao vya ovyo, mi ntakuruka. Uzizaezae ovyo ovyo. 
Don't say but Bishop will ituambia. Kwani was I the spirit when I spoke to you? Eh? You must understand when I'm just having a light moment. Okay? Hmm? When I tell Raila that he's supposed to, by this time, he should be married and so on, if Raila does not understand me, you're niyake. Hmm? Hmm? Raila's daughters. Please don't use that against him. Don't even use my name. I will disown every. In fact, I will recant everything that I've said. So if Raila decides to punch you, that's your problem. Okay? You know, at the Mount of Transfiguration, an incident happened whereby Jesus was transfigured his body as well as also his garments. There was, there was such a brightness of light and there was a voice that came from heaven. And you remember, beloved, there are two representatives of the Old Testament who appeared. One represented the law that was Moses and Elijah represented the prophets. And the voice said, this is my beloved son, hear him. That voice was not for Jesus. That voice was for those three apostles who were together with him. And Jesus had to decode things for them because they had no clue. And you see, beloved, he, he, he was telling them that his glorification will be as a result of his crucifixion. You see, glory comes uh, only after crucifixion. Okay? And that is why the Bible says in the first Corinthians that had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. God decided to hide things. And that's why, beloved, you know, wisdom, wisdom, wisdom conceals itself in such a way that even when God is speaking about greatness, what is happening is contrary to greatness. You might appear like you're losing, you're going nowhere, but, beloved, you're not losing. You just need to humble yourself. I know some of you have waited on God. You're wondering, God spoke ABCD about me. How come is it that nothing seems to be happening? The answer to that is wait. Be patient. Don't try to help God. Don't try to help God. Wait. You may have tried a project and it failed. That setback is not unto your destruction. Maybe that setback could be that there is something God wants you also to learn. You may have done everything that God expects you to do, but there is a certain internal adjustment that God is undertaking within your own heart that God wants you to set aright. And sometimes setbacks are very good because they humble us. So that we are not proud. Yes. Hmm? So that we are not proud. Okay? Hmm? Let me not even say beyond that. Stand. Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.